Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, so Genesis chapter 37, verse 11. 11. We're going to start here. Okay, here we go. Genesis 37, verse 11. Let's first of all begin in prayer. Father, we look to you. We look to you now because though we have your word In our hands, we cannot understand it unless your spirit reveals to us. And so we pray for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 37, verse 11. His brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send thee unto them. And he said unto them, Here am I. He said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Iran and came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. The man said, They are departed hence. For I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. Joseph went after his brethren, found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. They said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, let us slay him. Cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him. We will see what will become of his dreams. Reuben heard it, delivered him out of their hands, said, Let us not kill him. Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood. Cast him into this pit that's in the wilderness. Lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was upon those on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it, and they sat down to eat bread. Lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let not our hand be upon him. He is our brother in our flesh, and his brethren were content. Wow. <laughs> All right. And you thought the presidential election was exciting. <laughs> All right. All right, here. Now, in our last study, we saw in Joseph the heart of what it means to be an evangelist. We saw the heart of an evangelist. We saw, we learned so much about what it means to be an evangelist in this chapter. We saw the determination. We've been talking about that in the service before in the breaking of bread. We've been talking about the determination and resolution of the Lord. We see determination of an evangelist as Joseph saw the cost, the danger that was, that, 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 of being asked to go to his brothers, and he went. Why? Because his father asked him to. And from that, we saw the bringing the gospel to the lost only comes as we determine, that's the word, 
determined to bring the word, the gospel of the lost, to the lost. As a matter of fact, this is where our mission starts. It, it, it all starts with our determination. And we saw our motivation is simply just because God asked us to do it. And we saw this persistence of the evangelist and Joseph. He didn't go home empty-handed. After he did what he was told to do, he went to Shechem as he was told to. Go find his brothers. His brother wasn't, brothers weren't there. But he pressed on. And from that we saw that we're going to hit many obstacles with our mission to bring the gospel to the lost. And we, we have to not give up because we want to be able to make this all-important report to the Lord at the end of our lives that he gave to his father at the end of his time here on earth. I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. John 17, 4. John 17, 4. And then we saw in this chapter the help that the evangelist gets as God sent a certain man to help Joseph just when Joseph needed this special help. He was wandering around in a field. And we saw from that that we're going to come to a place where it looks like we can't go on, and that's when, and that's where we have to pray and look for God's help. Now, I think of this certain man in verse 15 that found Joseph and helped him. I look at him like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit meets us at the intersection of our determination to do the will of God and the roadblock. And the Holy Spirit helps us just like this certain man helped Joseph find his brothers. So this chapter as a whole is a very dark chapter. It's very dark chapter. And it's interesting because this dark chapter, it's interesting that nowhere in this chapter did anyone speak the name of God. And this is because no one was thinking about God. I mean, God was just far from anyone's thoughts. And isn't that the way it is? Isn't that the way it is for the brothers here in their sin? When a person is in sin, the last person he wants to hear about or think about is God. And in this regard, the name of God is not found in this chapter. But also in another regard, the name of God is not found in this chapter. And it makes it like the book of Esther. It's like the whole book of Esther because nowhere in the book of Esther is the name of God found. But God is all throughout the book of Esther. But his name is not. And that's true of this chapter. As a matter of fact, one of the, there's underlying themes that are running like underground currents in this chapter. And one theme that's running in this chapter is the theme of Psalm 7610. Psalm 7610, which says... Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. This is a chapter of the wrath of man being used to praise God, and the remainder of the wrath God just restrains. The remainder of the wrath that's not going to praise God, he restrains that. For example, in this chapter, the wrath of the brothers was allowed in selling Joseph, and that praised God because that's how Joseph got to Egypt to save his family eventually from starvation. But in this chapter, the wrath of the brothers to kill Joseph is restrained. And isn't it interesting how we see this parallel of what was allowed and what was restrained in the Lord Jesus Christ? For example, the wrath of man that was allowed was the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that praised God because that was how God opened up the doors of salvation to us by, by him dying for the sins of all men. But the wrath of God, the wrath of man, I should say, but the wrath of man to seal the tomb, hold them into the grave, that was restrained. So what we, so that's one of the underlying things we see in this chapter. Now, so what we see underlying in this whole history here, as I said, is, is Psalm 76.10. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, the remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. But there's another theme running in this chapter, and the great application that this has to us is when Joseph left home. And just think about this now. It was a long walk, you know, it was a long walk. I don't even want to think about how long it took to walk from the distance of San Diego to Los Angeles. But anyways, it was a long walk. He left home, though. When he left this vale of Hebron, he left home. He expected to return home again. That was his expectation. He never expected to not see his father again for 22 years. And when Joseph got up on the morning, he never expected when he met his brothers that he was going to be stripped cast into a pit and sold to a Midianites. And before that day's ended, he's going to be a slave heading for Egypt. He never expected that. He never expected that. And like Joseph, we have no idea what each day is going to bring to us. We may wake up one day and expect to come home at the end of the day and not, and suddenly die and go to heaven. And that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 27.1, Proverbs 27.1, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, don't start out the day and say, well, tomorrow I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And, I mean, our, all, all of our lives are all about if the Lord will, if the Lord will, if the Lord will, if the Lord will, I expect to do this. So what happened to Joseph on this day teaches us that we should always be ready for change. Any change that comes to us, we should live one day at a time, one day at a time. Joseph had no idea that when he left his father to seek his brothers, he would never come back home again. He had no idea. That's why it's so important for us to commit our way to the Lord. As it says in Psalm 37.5, Psalm 37.5, commit thy way unto the Lord, Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, well, it looks like Joseph here, as he was in this scene here, it, it looks like he never really thought about, never really crossed his mind about what God told his great-grandfather, Abraham, in Genesis 15, 13. Genesis 15, 13, when God said, and he said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a, in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them uh, 400 years. I mean, Egypt was certainly a land that was not theirs. So this is, that, this is one th- theme that's running through the chapter. Now there's even another theme that's running under the surface of this chapter. And Joseph eventually saw this theme and he put it so beautifully in the last chapter of this book. When he told his brothers in chapter 50, verse 20, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. 
See, Joseph had learned in a bitter experience that his brothers had one intention for him, and it was, you thought evil against me. I mean, I think Joseph was really shocked at how complete and how thorough was the evil that his brothers did think against him. They wanted to kill him. He begged for his life. He pleaded for his life. But there was no reception. I think Joseph was also just as amazed at how God bent it unto good to save much people alive. And there are people in our lives, they really have a very complete, a very thorough desire for us, and that is they think evil against us. But God means their evil for good because God's desire is always to save much people alive, whether through us praying for their salvation or uh, of those who want to harm us or, or becoming, make God using that to be, make us a better proclaimer of the gospel. God wants to save much people alive. So these are the themes that are running underneath the surface in this chapter. So in verse 17, we see how the man helped Joseph to know where his brothers were. It says in verse 17, the man said, there departed hence, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. I mean, how interesting is it? I mean, first of all, it's so interesting. Where'd this man come from? We have no idea. It's just a certain man that pops up. He's like Melchizedek, you know, he just shows up out of nowhere, you know. But this certain man, it's so interesting, this certain man, he, he just shows up and then he just happens to overhear this vital conversation where the brothers say, let us go to Dothan. He hears that. And because he, by hearing that conversation, he's able to help Joseph find his brothers. I mean, Dothan is a place. It became famous by what happened here to Joseph. And because it looked like, in this place, Dothan, it looked like Joseph is going to be killed, but then Joseph's life, his life was spared. And that's interesting because Another history happened here. This is a repeat of what happened here at Dothan. And that's in 2 Kings 6, 2 Kings 6, 13. 2 Kings 6, 13, where it's really the history of what happened to Elisha in Dothan. And it says, and he said, go and spy where he is. This is the king, bad king, who wanted to catch Elisha. He said, go and spy where he is. I'm his son of him. It was told him, saying, behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore, the king, therefore sent he thither horses and chariots, a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. When the servant of the man of God, that's Elijah's servant, was risen early, gone forth, behold, the host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. His servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? He answered him, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes, that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. So this is a repeat of what happened to Joseph. At Dothan, it looked like Joseph was, was done for. He was going to be killed, but God saved him. Again at Dothan, it looked as though Elisha was done for, but God saved him. And that shows us to remember that the Dothans in our lives where, we, where it looks like the tragedy is going to happen, they don't. And in verse 17, it's so strong. The determination there is so strong. You can feel it in Joseph when it says in verse 17, it says in verse 17, Joseph went after his brethren. Joseph went after his brethren 
and found them in Dothan. You know, when it says that Joseph went after them, it shows us he was on a hunt. He was tracking them down. And sometimes, you know, we have to do that with the lost. We have to do that. You know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for each one of us to sit down and ask ourselves the question, which lost friends do we have? Which lost relatives does God want us to do the verse 17 routine? Joseph went after his brethren. Which friends are, which relatives are that we have that God has put on our hearts? You need to be like Joseph. You need to go after them. I mean, we're not always going to have the strength. We're not always going to have the ability or whatever we have left now. It's not going to be for going on to be able to go after our lost friends and relatives. You know, as we age, we lose the ability. I'm so glad. In my case, I took the time years ago to go to Petersburg, Virginia and find all the Jewish people who knew my grandfather, the rabbi that started the only synagogue in Petersburg. And I'm so glad that I was able to sit down with them and tell them what happened to the rabbi's grandson. <laughs> to their shock. You know? <laughs> How the rabbi's grandson found the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, it was a setup, I'll tell you. I mean, I went there and says, I'm the rabbi's grandson. I'm, I'm, I'm the grandson of Louis Cantor. Oh, really? Won't you sit down? Yes, yes. Oh, okay, now let me tell you what happened in my life, you know. <laughs> then I didn't have such a long stay with him. But it was not an easy trip. And I had more strength then than I have now. And one of the men that I spoke to who knew my grandfather, the rabbi, was Red's Bassman. Now, that name will be real familiar to you if you were a football fan in the 1930s and were a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> because he was the halfback for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was the oldest uh, living man who had been on the Philadelphia Eagles. 1934, he made a very famous interception, ran 45 yards for a touchdown. They won the game. And so he was the oldest Eagles player alive. And when I spoke to him, I remember sitting in his living room with his wife, Helen, and he was at that time 95 years old when I told him how the rabbi's grandson had found the Lord Jesus Christ. And he stopped me and he said, that's enough. And I, I prayed for him almost every day since then. I hope Reds turned to the Lord because two years after that, he died. And so like Joseph in verse 17, I went after Reds and all those other uh, surviving Jewish people in Petersburg that knew my grandfather, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad that I went to Ohio. I'm glad I went to Florida to go after my family, to tell them how the Lord Jesus Christ, I had found him as God and the only way to heaven. I'm glad I went to Cincinnati on that night. I'm glad I went after, like Joseph went after his brethren. I'm glad I went after my Aunt Jane Pearlstein in Cincinnati, who I hadn't seen for 50 years. And when I was about 10 miles to her house, I'm calling her on the cell phone, and she's telling me, I don't, I can't remember you. <laughs> I don't know why. It was only 50 years ago. <laughs> and then she was, it was, she was all alone, living alone. And she said, you know, I'm not sure I really want to let you into the house. <laughs> and it was cold. It was raining. It was dark. It was Cincinnati. And I remember how, boy, did I have to do a sales job on the phone to get her to let me into the house. You know, talking about my mother and so forth. But I spoke to her for four hours until she finally said, that's it, you gotta leave. And when she did, I said, okay, I'm leaving, but I'm gonna ask you, 
not to do anything, just to remember something. And I said, can you just remember that God has a name? And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you ever find yourself alone, desperate, no one to help, that, that y- you shouldn't just call out to God because that letter is going to be returned for lack of sufficient address. But you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Months later, she wrote me and said, it happened. She said, I was walking in my house. I fell. My back went out. I couldn't blink an eyelash. I was absolutely helpless, no, no, all alone, desperate. And she remembered what I said. And she called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He answered that prayer. Immediately healed her back. She got up. And so she, she wrote me. She said, I'm amused. <laughs> I said, amused. So we were going, my wife and I were going to opening day creation museum in Kentucky. So we drove to Jane's house. And I led Jane to the Lord. And one month later, Jane died of a heart attack. But she died saved. Praise the Lord. So I'm glad I did what Joseph did in verse 17. Joseph went after his brethren. And then the question is, is there some lost friends? Are there some lost relatives that you have and you know that you have to go after? You know you have to do the verse 17. Now now's the time to determine to do it with the determination that Joseph had. Now, you think that with all this determination that Joseph had that his brothers are going to give him a nice welcome? Because in verse 18, we see their response. When they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him, to kill him. Now here's Joseph's, here, here Joseph's brothers were. They so hated him. It's kind of hard to imagine. But the hatred that they had for him was so great that they just kind of see him away off there, and this hatred becomes inflamed, inflamed, inflamed. And so... Verse 17 is just a remarkable scene where, where Joseph is far, far away from them and they've just kind of made out, oh, yeah, I guess that's Joseph, yeah. We see the coat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those bright colors, those dazzling, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's the way he walked, I don't know. But however it was, they knew that's our brother, that's Joseph. And they, and they just they just kind of made out, oh, it's Joseph. They start this conspiring. These are horrible words. They conspired against him to slay him. I mean, this shows how premeditating this was. Boy, if they went to court, and if there's any question about it, is this first-degree murder? Is there any premeditation? I mean, this is their premeditation here. And, and they were so deliberate. They were determined. They were resolved. And they were intending to kill Joseph because they hated him so much. You know, the Hebrew name for Jesus is Yeshua, which means God will save. It's like Joshua, God saves. But in Israel, the Lord Jesus is commonly, he's not called Yeshua, he's called Yeshu, Yeshu, which is an acronym, which is an acronym, and it means may his name and memory be forgotten, obliterated, gone, which is why when the Jews for Jesus hold their, their grand Behold Your God campaigns, they stand on street corners of busy streets with a big banner that says, Yeshu equals Yeshua. <laughs> All right? So this is a remarkable scene here. As we can see, Joseph, who's still far away from his brothers, and he's excited. Joseph's excited that finally he's found his brothers. Oh, this is great. Great. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E. Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back. So join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.